Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus, episode 560, coming to you on January the 5th, the year of our Lord, 2024, and today is going to be a primary free-for-all, or primary free-for-all Friday if you prefer, but before we get there, let me remind you the best way you can continue to assist me to make a difference, to make sure our voice is heard, is to like, share, and subscribe follow on your favorite podcatcher. Subscriptions matter. They drive the algorithm. Help me out here, folks. And if you're feeling particularly motivated, you can rate and review this program. Every little bit helps. I wanted to let you know, you know, we started out um, roughly a year ago with a half as many episodes, actually less than half as many, and not quite 100,000 downloads. We are now just shy of my goal of the 250,000 downloads that I had for the end of last year. Now, admittedly, it was a stretch goal, uh, turned out to be a very stretch goal, but we did hit 240,000 downloads and we're going to continue to do what we do, which is come here. I'm going to throw out what I think about things and you all get a chance to listen and ruminate and either say, yeah, that's pretty good. Or I hadn't considered that or boy, that guy just whatever. And and here's the thing. I want to build up a concept of mutual respect, right? We can disagree without being disagreeable. We can have different opinions and still be on the continuum of what most would call conservatism. I look at myself as a liberty advocate. I've always said I'm a liberty advocate, which is why I'm a supporter of TNM. But that is a separate issue that we will be visiting next week. Don't you worry. The latest drama what my party has done, well, hopefully it'll be solved and sorted by then, but we'll have plenty of time to talk about it then. Today, today we're going to talk about really what's going on as far as the primaries are concerned and my thoughts on the matter and what I'm doing about it. Okay, so here we go. For those of you that don't know, on January the 8th and January the 9th, I have spearheaded a series of debates in Cowan County. They are going to be held up on the 380 campus of Cowan College. I am doing everything I can to make it worth your while. The reason being is we have a number of um, contested elections. Now I want to tell you first and foremost, and just to clear this up, I believe that it is a bad thing for a candidate to run unopposed. The reason being is that gives the incumbent a false feeling of, well, security, superiority, and cockiness. That being said, if they get a contender that they readily dispatch or is never really a threat, that doesn't steer them in the right direction. We all want our elected officials to support and push our idealists. Uh, If they're in our party, they should agree with the vast majority of the platform and they should work to do the things that we want them to do, including those priorities. Not all elected officials do that. Not all elected officials are actually in a lawmaking situation. Case in point. So we have the constables. Their job is essentially law enforcement, but more so on the civil side, right? They provide bailiffs for the JP courts and they serve civil papers um, and oversee some other things, but they also have vast law enforcement authority. 
Now, a lot of uh, constables do things a specific way. Some are more mm, law enforcement heavy. Some stick strictly to the civil side. That is something that is important and you need to know. And you need to know what their philosophy is. Do we want a constable that thinks he's just an adjunct to the sheriff's department? Do we want a constable that thinks he's, you know, the militarized, <laughs> militarized, militarized, while the militarized police force in your county? Do we want um, a constable that sees the value that in civil service and is there to serve his people? I mean, these are different things that are important. The same could be said for the sheriff's department because these are elected positions and they're there to represent the will of we the people. Now, what's interesting in this in this situation, while it is, I, I just, I want to be careful how I phrase this. <laughs> it's supposed to be an apolitical office. Nothing is apolitical. It's always political. And secondarily, one would think it's not party oriented, but it very clearly is. And as the party majority gets slimmer, it gets more contentious. As as the party continues to fracture, the partisan p- part of this scenario becomes more important. Right. So when you want law enforcement, whether it's the constable, whether it's the sheriff, the idea is they're going to be generally neutral and enforcing and supporting those laws that are both applicable and constitutional. That that would be the goal. That's what we want to see. Now, you need to know which constable candidate, which sheriff's candidate is going to do a better job at doing that. Now, myself as a liberty advocate, I'm kind of nervous about all the partnerships with the feds. I'm kind of not happy about some of the things that are done, like under the guise of civil asset forfeiture. Wow, I guess I need some more uh, coffee or water or something here. Hold on just a second. And not to put too fine a point on it, but I, I stuck my neck out a few years ago and I said, publicly in, in debates and in a, um, <laughs> well, I don't know what the challenge is this morning, folks. <laughs> uh, it, it was at a convention. I said, I understand the concern. We in the Republican party, we have a default setting that we back the blue. We as conservatives, we generally want good, clean law enforcement. So we're, we're going to give these guys the benefit of the doubt. And I got to be honest, the vast majority have earned it. The vast majority uh, are worthy of your praise, for lack of a better word. My shortcoming, my, my fault is that there are bad apples. Maybe there's a lot of bad apples. I don't know. I'm going to say that Collin County probably gets a better bill of health than a lot of other counties. But that being said, how is that dealt with? How do we deal with these guys that shouldn't have a badge, shouldn't have, you know, powers, police powers that I think that's a fair question. That's something you need to consider. Is there a track record of dealing with people that abuse their power or abuse prisoners or suspects? How, how are we doing in that realm. Now I will tell you from what I can see, that's not really an issue in Collin County, but I don't want it to become one. So it's important that we have somebody in those positions that's got a good head on their shoulders and has general respect for we, the people. 
Because as the world, as the country becomes more lawless, right, becomes less mm, likely to be able to follow all the laws because God help us, but we got more laws than we can shake a stick at, especially at the federal level and to a lesser extent, but still abusive at the state level. So the question is, what is the law enforcement going to do about it? Now, we have almost zero control over what happens with the city police, but we do have some say about the constable's office and more say about the sheriff's office. So I would like for those people to be good civil libertarians, but also strong law enforcement, right? So the appropriate laws are enforced and done fairly and evenly, and we don't abuse people because they haven't been convicted of anything. Now, sometimes you catch people red-handed in the heat of the moment. Okay, fine, but you still don't get to beat the snot out of them. This isn't 1960s anymore. We're past this. We're better than that. So again, I'm bringing this up because it's important. You need to know these things. And I will wrap this up. It will make sense when I get to, uh, we have a commissioner's court race. Now, again, the commissioner's court doesn't necessarily make law, but they do structure how the county's built out. They do determine where to put funds. They do determine the priorities at the county level, and they are there to put things in place that are mandated by both the state and the feds for better and many times for worse. So what they do and where their philosophy is, also is reflected in the tax rate. That's important to know. And what is their philosophy? What is their desire? And where do they see the county going? Very appropriate. Now, the in this, again, they have some control over these things. But you want somebody that's going to advocate for we the people. All right. The next couple of things we have, it's a little tricky because we really haven't had a contested, a truly contested race in these two other uh, groups. Well, So the, we got the State Board of Education, which primarily is supposed to deal with curriculum and requirements and some other directives at the state level down to uh, the independent school districts. And what's funny to me personally is there's not a whole lot of independence left in those independent school districts, particularly when you have state law, the board of education, and then you have other entities such as the federal government putting down all these mandates. That being said, the state board of education is supposed to kind of guard what happens and what the minimum requirements are and what the expectation is for all of these districts. So it's important what they do, but it also sets the tone and the philosophy of what we expect out of our school districts. Again, it's important that you have a person that aligns with what you want to see. The tax assessor collector, again, there's no lawmaking power here. There's there's really nothing they do. I I hate to put it this way, but it's just kind of like a cherry assignment, in my opinion. Uh, that doesn't mean there's not a lot of hard work. It doesn't mean that you're not, you know, driving an entire department and that you don't have some challenges, but their political philosophy is less important. Their feelings or thoughts on, you know, the key trigger issues of social conservatism are almost a moot point. Unless, of course, this person's looking for this to be a stepping stone to another office, We just need a good professional that can do the job and lead his people or her people comfortably and 
in a positive direction. So this is where leadership and executive experience comes highly into play because that's what we're electing. Somebody that's going to do that. You, but again, is it really important what they think about the tax rate or what they, well, I guess the tax rate does come at least partially. Is it important uh, what they think about um, federal issues? Not really. Other than the philosophy behind it. Is it really important where they stand on gun control or abortion or those items? Yes and no. Again, if it's going to be a stepping stone, which potentially every office is a stepping stone to another stepping stone, but there's no lawmaking privileges here. It is going to be, will they abuse their position? Will they stay fair and even-handed? And that's where the person's character counts, right? All right. Then we got the uh, party chairman. We haven't had a legit contested election in this in quite some time. This is going to go to the entirety of the voting body of Callan County. So this gets dicey. Do you want a guy that's more ideological or more pure to what you think? Or do you want a lady that is an executive that can come in and make directives? Or do you want a guy that sees the vision long term? How do we do this? And, you know, where are we going? Or do you want a lady that wants to come in and maybe dictate certain uh, micromanaging things in place? Or do you want a guy that comes in and, um, you know, runs like a tyrant? And yes, I'm purposely going back and forth with this because whenever I say the term guy, I don't mean anything by it. But some people, they get their hmm, hairs up on the back of their head. So, but the reality is this is a balancing act. You want somebody that is ideologically similar or on the same path or parallel to you, but you also want somebody that can drive winning elections, that can build an organization that is open to coalition and networking. Now, everybody says they're good at that. Everybody says that that's what they want, but do they have experience? Do they have a demonstrated ability to get those things done? Do they also align with you, right? I mean, we have a serious problem with, we'll call them rhinos, which, and I want to make sure I distinguish them from the moderates. I think the Republican party, if we are kind, is roughly 20% rhinos, 20% moderates, and then 60% is some flavor of conservative, okay? And, and I'm making those numbers up. I have nothing to justify them. I mean, there might be 5% liberal and 5% libertarian or 10% libertarian in the Republican Party, but who knows? Who cares? So I just go with a flavor of conservative and then throw the 20 and 20 in there. We can't win if we don't have our moderates. We can't win and can't make the changes or hold the line the way we knew, the way we currently are, if we don't work with the moderates. That means we have to be willing to not abuse them, not mistreat them, not cast them aside. Now, I don't want them driving policy, but I do want to work with them on networking and compromise, good compromise, not give away the farm and keep this 2%. But we need them to come along. We want to work with them. It is to our best interests. The thing we have to deal with is the so-called rhinos. We have a very nebulous definition of rhino. We have a very pejorative way of using the term rhino. These folks are only Republicans because 
that's what they needed to be to be involved or to win a race or to secure an endorsement or whatever else. They're really not Republicans, not in their philosophy, not in their political action. They're just there for either themselves or for, you know, to gain power. Now, I listened to a very interesting podcast by Luke Macias. I want to say it was Thursday. It might have been Wednesday this week. Go check out Luke Macias if you haven't. And he kind of gives a breakdown of what the Texas House is like. To me, that does a really good explanation of greater politics as a whole, right? And just change out some of the names or some of the positions, but where these people are at, what, how they think, how they behave. So I will tell you, in my opinion, the Calhoun County uh, Republican Party is not healthy. We have an infection. I'm not going to name the infection because different people feel differently about it and different people would point fingers at different causes. I don't care. We have an infection. We need to deal with it. Now, does that mean we need to lop it off or do we just need to treat it by, you know, antibiotics or, you know, something like that? I don't have that answer right now. There needs to be a lot of hard conversations that people are willing to have and put aside their personal preferences, put aside their ambitions and look at the bigger picture. We need a leader that's going to come into the party and do that. And I'm certain that there are some people that are listening to me right now, you know, that have their favorites and that's fine. I appreciate you should have a favorite, but you need to have an open mind and consider the totality or <laughs> the totality of the picture, Right. We don't want a totalitarian. <laughs> That's where I was going with that. Oh, why? Um, no, we want somebody that can come in and is going to push the narrative, is going to be aggressive, but is also open and willing to work with everybody, every faction within the party. Now, every faction in the party can't have everything that they want by definition, but we're on the same team and people seem to forget that. So it is my sincere hope that whoever is the next county chairman will put that first and foremost. What does that look like? Don't know. Whoever the party chairman is, I'm more than happy to do whatever I can to help with that. I won't even talk about what I can bring to the table. I'll just say, first, let's get a new party chairman. Let's get past this stage and get our act together. All right. Now, the last big debate would be the House District races. And, and I got a little push on this. I only did 67 and 61. Now, 67 and 61 cover almost all of McKinney. And that's the city I live in. And those are interesting races. Now, to be honest, I did finally hear back from Jeff Leach. He was not able to confirm. But I don't want a dog on the guy. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a moment out to talk about Jeff Leach because I think I owe it to him. I have been open and honest that I'm not a fan. And I will be also honest that most of that is personal. When somebody calls you or refers to you as a seditious person or a traitorous person, that cuts deep. That's not easily overlooked. So, you know, I'm going to be honest. That did torque me off. But that also being said, he is our elected state rep currently. We have to work with the guy. And I'll be also frank with you. He is very effective. Now, whether that's because of his ambition or whether that's just because he's that kind of guy, 
That's your decision. I would much rather have an effective legislature or an effective legislator that gives me 70% or 75% of what I want than somebody that is a Democrat or somebody that's completely ineffective but says all the right things. Now, he has an opponent who probably does ideologically align with me better, who I find very effective. But that being said, I'm not even voting in that race. I have a preference. Absolutely. In fact, that's one of the reasons why I'm not moderating that debate. But the fact of the matter is, had Jeff Leach showed up, had Jeff Leach been available, we would have treated him fairly and respectfully because that's the bare minimum The bare minimum we need to provide to every elected official that works for us, for we the people, that is a Republican. It doesn't matter that there's a personal dislike. It doesn't matter that we're disappointed or upset about a couple of different votes. None of that matters. If they're going to do their job, which is to show up and speak on their behalf or defend their, their votes or their actions, we have to listen. We owe them that. Now, they owe us that showing up and speaking to us and listening to us. So in fairness, you know, there was a two week run up. These guys are extremely busy with campaigning, fundraising, whatever else. Plus he is still an active member of the Texas house. So don't beat them up for not being able to make it. Don't be mad at him for not making it. You got to give these guys a little grace. I've got, you know, for instance, one of the council candidates wasn't able to confirm until yesterday or the day before I got the two other constable candidates that have indicated that if they're interested, they just don't know if they can make it work with their schedules. Again, you have to be respectful and you have to allow for the fact that these guys and these ladies all have busy schedules. So house district 61, we have two challengers to the incumbent. This is the big kahuna. This this is the district I live in, right? This is the one that matters. They're there representing us in HD 61. They're there to do our bidding. So yeah, we're going to ask questions. Some of them can be pointed, I'm sure. There, there are some people that are upset with the incumbent. You have every right to be upset with somebody that you feel let you down, but you still have to be respectful. And I won't tolerate while I'm there. I won't tolerate disruption. I won't tolerate abuse. I won't tolerate name calling. If you want to say, I don't like candidate A or I don't like candidate B, that's fine. But we will not, we will not be jerks not going to allow it. I have a podcast. If I want to call somebody out, I can, and I will. If I, if I am in a public meeting and it is a discussion an open discussion and somebody else or myself wants to say, we don't like this guy. That's fine. Or this lady's been a disappointment. That's fine. But in a debate, we have to be respectful in a forum. We need to be respectful. So now that I've set 20 some minutes into setting this up. Let me tell you why I'm doing a debate, not a forum. I think a debate 
there needs to be pointed questions, but there also needs to be questions from candidate A to candidate B and potentially candidate C. And they need to call each other out and show the distinctives and the differences. And we're going to allow for audience participation. They're going to fill out their question and the moderator is going to look at it and siphle or, you know, put through them all together and pick the best one or the one that's most relevant. And we'll get six, seven of those questions, maybe even as many as 10 in, depending on how long the answers are. We want there to be interaction. We want there to be an open discussion. In a forum, there's pat answers. There's very little audience interaction. And it's basically shiny, happy faces. That's not my preference. That may be what you like. I know there's another club that's going to do like speed dating with candidates. I think that's a fantastic idea. And if that's more your speed, you should go check that out. Uh, that it's Golden Corridor for those of you that didn't know. Every opportunity you have to learn more about your candidates or your preferred candidate is a good thing. But I got to be honest, a lot of times candidates will tilt into t- telling you what they think you want to hear. They, they'll tilt into what they think the audience wants. And you got to give credit to somebody that will tell it what like it is, or at least give you a legit opinion, even though they know full on that the audience is probably not going to be happy about it. You got to give some respect to that. I do. You may disagree. That's fine. But that is usually displaying a level of honesty. And I can appreciate that. I would much rather say, have somebody tell me, yeah, I don't really feel that way or that's not going to happen. Though I would like it to, it's just not going to happen. I would appre- I appreciate somebody being honest about that rather than telling you what they th- you think, well, telling you what they think you want to hear. That serves no purpose. That's not being honest. That being said, dates and times don't always line up. Formats can and should be a little different. Now, final thing related to this. I've been approached by somebody who will remain nameless about coming together to work on doing a debate for the congressional race. I'm putting that out there. I'm hoping to have more news for you in the next week. I think this is a fantastic idea. I think I wish that the party would take the reins on this. But one of the things I've noticed is while I spearheaded this and and my club is putting this on and we're the old McKinney Tea Party, let's not fool anybody here, which is why we focused on the two races that are primarily McKinney. That doesn't mean that 89 or 66 or even 30 don't matter. I'm sorry, um, 33 don't matter. It just means it's kind of out of the scope of our draw and the scope of interest. That doesn't mean if there isn't another club out there or another organization out there that wouldn't want to host a debate or a forum or whatever else that I wouldn't support that. I wouldn't help with that. I'll moderate. I don't, I love doing that. You let me know. I'll promote it. I, it's, it's in everybody's best interest. I just didn't have the bandwidth to do it. I, I didn't have the time and I didn't have the personal time to do it. We had enough space for two nights and we fit, fill them up. And we're probably going to run late because we want to be fair and even-handed to the people that take the time to show up to put this forth before we the people. It is our intention to record this 
I'm going to record it for my podcast for later distribution, and I'm hoping we'll have more than one person show up and stream it, live stream it, and record it for video for later. I'm putting a call out there, come and join us and do that. And I don't care who your favorite candidate is. I don't care if um, you want to even overlay your commentary on it. Please do it respectfully. But the more eyes that get on this, the more people that get involved in this, the better we are. An informed populace is what keeps the republic working. I've done my part. I've done what I could do. My club that is backing me has done what we can do. That doesn't mean we can't or won't help with somebody else. It just means we couldn't spearhead it. It just means that we couldn't put that much more on our plate. So please, respectfully, if you want it or you have interest in it, you can reach out to me directly. You can find my phone number very easily. I'll put you in touch with the local club or I'll put you in touch with a local organization that would be better suited, but that doesn't mean I'm not willing to help. Whether it's advertise, promote, moderate, whatever you would like, I'm happy to help, but it's not about me. It's about the race. It's about the candidates. It's about getting this information out to the people. This is what matters. This is the opportunity. This is the purpose of a primary. And I want to also give a shout out to each person that throws their hat in the ring. I know I've talked about this in the past and, you know, we all have our personal feelings. We we all have you know, our personal desires, preferences, whatever, but you need to be respectful and you need to be encouraging to anybody that's willing to run for office, particularly if they're running against an incumbent. And I don't mean to dismiss the incumbents, but they have a much easier task at hand. Let's be honest. The person running against an incumbent goes in with the deck stacked against them from the, from the onset. And they typically have to work twice as hard just to get noticed. That is a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of money, most of which they have to borrow or receive in donations, and they have to work it. So even if they should lose, even if they should lose badly, you, me, everybody needs to show them respect and be appreciative for what they've done. If they win, great. They're going to get all the accolades. If the incumbent wins and destroys the their challenger, I got to be honest, that is the starting point. That's where every race starts. So, so pick your candidate, pick the person you support and show them that support. Show up at the debates, show up at the forums, encourage them, be there for them. And also watch them get the questions. Make sure that they are who they say they are and they are who you believe they are. This is your opportunity. And if it's going to be recorded and played you can always watch it later if you can't be there personally. Everybody expects that elected officials are superhuman. <laughs> and then those of us that have been around, we expect them all to fail. We just do. We know better. They're human. They are human. They have shortcomings. They have failures. But you got to determine if that specific failure or a group of failures are adequate or necessitate replacement. Or are adequate to necessitate a replacement. <laughs> well, I clearly did not have enough caffeine. Uh, that being said, 
this is a work of love. This is, this is something of general interest. This is something that I do because I think it's important. I think it's a value and I want for you and me to benefit from, from this experience. And I would never say, don't go to a forum. That's not my cup of tea, but I would never tell you not to do that. You get interesting things there. I think it's a little more glad handy than I prefer, but that's, that's for you. That's your determination. Go show your support or go see if they answer a question differently. Hold them accountable. The speed dating idea, again, kudos to Golden Corridor. Uh, first time I've heard of it. I think it's a great idea. Go for it. And one last thing. I don't know who to give credit to. I will tell you, I, I, mo- I first saw it posted by one of the candidates that politics is not about betrothing yourself. And again, I'm paraphrasing it. It's not about a love letter or Valentine's date or anything like that. It's about a chess move. Every election is a chess move. Which person's going to give me the best outcome? And sometimes that means you got to hold your nose and vote for the person that's got an R after the name because the D after their name is unthinkable. Sometimes you do something different, but the primaries give you better options. The primaries are an opportunity to make those bigger moves. So take that. Think about it. Make the most of your weekend. And with that, this has been According to Callus, and I will see you on the other side.